hello and you're very welcome to the first women's rugby pod of 2021. I'm Johnny Hamlet alongside Rachel Burford and in these incredibly unsettling times there is one consistency. That's Johnny Hammond and Rachel Burford bringing you the WRP week in, week out. Happy New Year, Berth. Happy New Year, Johnny. How are you? We're all right, thank you. Let's stay with absolutely no grounding whatsoever, pillars of sand. Let's just be really positive optimistic, shall we? Yeah, well, why not? We've had a bit of a gloomy 2020. That's the last time I'm going to say that. And let's look ahead in what is going to be a pretty... Hope for an exciting year for women's rugby. It will be a, an exciting year for women's rugby. Um, everything crossed, absolutely everything crossed. And obviously, uh, the leagues can continue to get back up and running. And of course, that World Cup back in September. And of course, the, the Olympics in Tokyo before that as well. We've got a brilliant show ahead for you today. One of my favourite people in rugby, Sue Day, is coming on the pod. M- sorry, Sue Day MBE. Very good at missing out these titles, aren't I? But I've entitled the uh, the episode Dame Daisy because she's that she's held in that kind of esteem, isn't she, Berth? Yeah, she is. Um, you know, she's been somebody that's been there through my career, and I think if you just look at like her CV, I'm sure we'll get into it. But from player, she did a bit of coaching, then commentating, and now she's you know in a lead role in administration. You know, she's definitely paving the way to to keep individuals in the game post playing. Yeah, absolutely. We will go through her CV. Yep. Took me hours to research it last night. But uh, yeah, Sue Day's on the pod and we'll get to her just in, in a couple of minutes. But we've got news coming for you as well uh, from a, around the, the globe. Some really, really good news as well. News on us list and sevens and all the rest of it. But uh, let's get straight into one of England's greatest ever players, Sue Day. I'm Emma Mitchell. And you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Well, we quite often say on this show, it is a a privilege and a pleasure to have our guests on. And of course, it always is. But for me, a personal pleasure this morning to have, as I said earlier, one of my favourite people in rugby, Sue Day, MBE, on the pod. Good morning and Happy New Year, Daisy. Good morning to you, Johnny and Bird. Happy New Year to both of you too. It's very, very good to be here. Marvellous. I thought I would start as we were just going to have a little meander through your career. Just, just giving, and we, we, we try to stay under an hour, so I'll, I'll keep this brief, but just a few highlights from your career so far. Sue, uh, made MBE in 2002, birthday honours list, 14 years at was correct me at any point if any of this is wrong, 59 <laughs> caps for England, 305 points, which is 61 tries. And we think yeah, you're the. No we think you're the all-time top <laughs> try scorer, although Nicky Crawford may have something to say about that. Is that right? That's exactly right. Yeah, we. I know. I know. I've got sixty-one. Brown and Nicky Crawford. Um, no, she's got sixty-ish. She's not sure exactly how many. So it could be her. It could be me. Um, the, the records aren't really good enough to know for sure. So, but you know, it's 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 one of us. Right, I reckon what? you two should have a race. Well, we'll cut all of that out. Sue Day, the top try scorer for England of all time with 61 tries, uh, three Grand Slams. You appeared at three World Cups, captain of England's sevens team at 2009, sevens World Cup, top try scorer 
15's World Cups as well with 19. First female president of WAFS FC. Founding trustee member of the Women's Sports Trust. Partner KPMG. Commentator. Very, very good broadcaster, I may add. And a board member of the RFU since 2018. And now CFO at the RFU. Whew. What have you been doing with your time? How have you been feeling the last 32 years he's been coming? <laughs> Oh, what an amazing! Did we miss uh, anything? Yeah, yeah, we missed anything. Uh, the a couple of things in there. One, it definitely might be Nikki Crawford, who is is top try scorer. We really don't know. And two, CFO and CFO RFU now, so a little bit more than uh, finance. Apologies, I did read that last night. I just just forgotten to put it on my little list. So you're basically <laughs> running the entire show. Um, we, we've got to ask. And make it brief, but just how difficult was the uh, the last nine ten months been? Yeah, it's been it's been really challenging for everybody in every walk of life, hasn't it? Hugely challenging at the RFU because um, you know we're trying to help rugby navigate through you know a set of circumstances that have never happened before. Clubs not being able to to open, uh, matches not being able to happen. Uh, and then, you know, from a from a financial perspective, we'll probably lose between sixty and seventy percent of our revenues this year. And you know, it's those revenues that go back into to, to sustaining rugby in in this country. So yeah, enormously challenging. Um, but we're you know we're just doing our very best, like everybody else, to 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 work our way through it and to help rugby get through it. Yeah, absolutely. I sort of described it, and it, it's very much um, prevalent this morning, uh, seeing it and speaking to you, but. I feel we're all quite duck-like, the fact that we're all serene on top of the water and underneath <laughs> the legs are going like absolute bilio. But um, you, you you look really, really well. Let's let's move beyond that and we'll, we'll talk about some, um, some some stuff going on in the women's, women's game uh, a little bit later on. But just wanted to just go back really, Daisy, only a couple of years, but just to your kind of start of your, your rugby career and where the drive came from for, 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 for playing at that kind of level for, as we've already mentioned, 14-odd years? Well, where did the drive come from? I mean, once you've got the bug, it's hard to let it go, isn't it? So once I'd played um, at the highest level at Wasps in England, I just wanted to keep playing there for as long as I possibly could. And, and I'm trying to win the World Cup. The, 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 my generation never quite won. Births obviously did. Getting into it in the first place, um, you know, I just I just rocked up at a rugby club in Barcelona one day, having been there, um, and, and played, and and just just realised it was the game for me. I, I loved it. It was simple. You had to run quickly, stop people going past you, put the put the ball down over the try. It was a really simple game, and I just just really loved it. Caught the bug immediately, and was surrounded by this amazing bunch of women. That's the that's the theme that's continued, you know, through my career. It's not just on the pitch, but that amazing, supportive, familial group of people off the pitch. You know, it, it, all of that combined just meant I never really wanted to to stop. Wow! So love at first sight with a with, with a game of rugby. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, <laughs> well, you, you you said you're in Barcelona. Why were you in Barcelona? So I did um, a languages degree, French and Spanish, and so I went to to Spain for my year abroad. 
I'd never, I, um, I grew up in the Midlands, went to state school in the Midlands and the boys barely played rugby, let alone the girls. So I'd never seen rugby. I'd never played rugby. I was a hockey player and a netball player. But um, I had a friend in Barcelona who played rugby and she took me along one day and, and that was that. And as soon as I played, I realised it was my game. Didn't I? I did. Yes, I did know that because your ordering in French restaurants has always been outstanding. <laughs> so I, I, I did so know so you missed that off her intro CV. Oh, jeez. But we'll, we'll get on, into that. Well, I mean, you, you, you two could probably have a conversation French because Berth's New Year's <laughs> resolutions last year were to learn French in 2020. So I'll just let you guys crack on. Like like French. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, like everybody else, we've just written off 2020, so I'm starting it again this year. Understood. Okay, French in 2021. I look forward to a chat at the end of December this year. Oui, vraiment. You've promised Dame Daisy now as well, so that's it. Um, I know. Promising promising me is nothing, but Dame Daisy. It's got to happen. Seriously, though, I mean, um, Talking about how I picked up rugby, one of the drivers for me, you know, why on earth have I ended up working in rugby as well as having played it? One of the drivers for me is I just think it's an absolutely amazing game. So many of my best friends, so many of the best experiences I've had in my adult life, so many of the lessons I've learned, you name it, have come from rugby. And and so the chance to work at the organisation that you know, enables rugby to be the best it can be and try to make sure as many people get the opportunities in rugby as as possible. Um, you know, that was that was something I couldn't um, sort of pass up the chance to do that. Thank you very much for bringing the conversation um, back on course. I mean, pretty, sure, pretty, pretty sure that's my job. We also learn um, French in December. Honestly, it's like we're back in the commentary box, me meandering off and you pulling me back. Um, go back to your first ever England cap then, did Daisy talk us through that, that that emotion? Well, in a lovely bit of symmetry, it was in Spain. So I um, I got into the England squad, I think, in um, late '96, probably early '97, actually. And then my first cap was December '97 um, in in Madrid against Spain. It was a 15 all draw, um, and I scored a try. And I've got a picture of that, but there's very little other record of of, of, of the match. And I just remember this immense feeling of of pride, of excitement, uh, and of nerves. I always got from my first cap to the last, from my first Wasps match to the last, always got terrible nerves. But that was okay, right? I knew that's why that's part of my part of what I needed to play a good rugby match. But um, just the most amazing excitement and camaraderie and opportunity and privilege. What a privilege to play for your country. You clearly remember that, that day very, very clearly. Um, what was it like seeing that national anthem for the first time with the rose on the chest? Oh, my, my, heart's, my heart started to race. <laughs> heart started to race thinking about it. I always, because um, I had this sense of nerves rising, I would always sing the anthem with my eyes tightly shut and just sort of shout it out to the I mean, I can't sing also, which is another reason to shout it. Um, but just that feeling, it, it, just a way to express, get some of that emotion out of your body that's building up. Just really scratch my eyes up tight and shout the anthem and clasp whoever stood next to you as tightly as possible. I've been watching the matches, you know, recently and they have to do the anthem standing pretty much two metres apart. And I just think I would so miss that physical contact in that 
moment up to the game when you want to grab your mates as tightly as possible. Um, so I, it's really hard to explain the feeling, but it's it's an amazing feeling, isn't it, Berth? Yeah, I I feel you on that. And um, I well, was, <laughs> is it going now? Should we start. Should we go for it? Yes, shall we? <laughs> I love the fact you talked about how you always had nerves because my probably my one of my biggest memories about playing with you was in that semi final against Canada, and it was like so tight to the wire, and I was like. <laughs> You know, it was my second cap and I was literally like, bottom lip was going, I was shaking, I was like, what are we doing? What's going on? What's happening? And you literally just looked at me with this complete calmness and was like, don't worry about it, Beth. I've got plenty of time. It's going to be fine. And I was like, okay, okay. But like, never would I have thought that you had nerves how you just described at all, ever. <laughs> that I remember that game really clearly as well. I was, I was on the bench. It was the World Cup semi-final against Canada. 2006. And I was... 2006 yeah. and I was on the bench and I think I came on with about I don't know 20-30 minutes to go and if you think your nerves are bad when you start a match <laughs> yeah when you're on the bench right you're just sitting there watching it all happen you're just desperate to, desperate to get on um but yeah we did win the game uh we we won the game uh scraped through and made it to to, to the World Cup final I think courtesy of an amazing cover tackle from from Kim Kim Shaler as she was that day Against, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that really crystal, crystal clear. But it's like it's like Johnny was saying earlier about, about being a duck. You're sort of serene on the top, and then there's all sorts of other stuff going on underneath. That um, do you remember how significant? Now, sort of looking back in in, in your various roles that you've you've been through in, in rugby, because I know we've spoken to a couple of people about the significance of that tackle um, because of what what then followed and the funding and, and what have you. Um, do you, do you remember just how significant it was as a as a player on the field that day? Yeah, they they sort of kept away from us as players the significance of everything else that that went with it. For, for us, for me, for that group of players, it had quite enough significance just being about getting to a yeah. World Cup final. Yeah. You know that by that point, I had spent you know twelve years of my adult life desperately trying to get to World Cup finals. And, and and win World Cup finals, not 12 years, 10 years, sorry, I can't, I've got, I should be able to do maths, shouldn't I? Um, to get to World Cup finals, so for me, the significance was all about how could we, as a group of players, get to that final and give ourselves a chance of playing for the World Cup. They, yeah, they did a really good job of keeping all the rest of it away from us so that we could focus on that part of it. So take us back to that World Cup final then. <laughs> In Edmonton? <laughs> Dedmonton. Edmonton, Edmonton yeah. yeah. Edmonton, yeah. Um, oil country. Would, would you mind taking us back to that day? I mean, if you're striving for, for 10 years to, to get there, the, the, the feelings are running out and then eventually, obviously, losing the, losing the game. Yeah, what do I remember about that day? So the, the first thing is absolutely freezing. So it had oh been my God. boiling up until that point, the, the weather. And so I remember Nicky Ponsford or the team management having to go out and, and get us thermals pretty much the, the day of the game because the, the temperature plummeted by about 20 degrees um, sort of overnight. So I remember that. I also remember a feeling of, you know, I just talked about how nervous I got before matches. I also remember a, rel- a, a relatively um, sort of serene feeling, a feeling that we knew we'd done everything that we possibly could to get there. Personally, I knew I'd done everything I possibly could. I felt really good 
back in the day, I knew we could do it. So that being the sort of in the run up to the game, feeling, you know, for me as as soon as I possibly sort of could in the run up, um, allied to the nerves that I always got. Um, and then you know, you never, I don't, I never remember much of of the matches, but you know, I do remember the feeling after the match that just you know the feeling of 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 what's the right word? I mean, I appreciate it's only a rugby match, but that feeling of devastation afterwards when you know you've done everything you possibly can um, and it wasn't enough. And for me, on top of that, at that time, knowing it was also the last, it was my last chance. And so there, there would be never, you know, no other occasion to replace that silver medal in my sock drawer with a, with a gold one. God, it's heartbreaking just listening to it. <laughs> Um, let, let's let's pick it back up then. Um, so, if that's probably on the uh, really relatively high on the list of um, days that you remember for 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 the wrong reasons, as it were, what are the days that you remember on the field uh, that were highlights? Uh, I, I mean, there's there's so many, aren't there? And, you know, and I would say you, you losing that World Cup final and the feeling after was was hideous. The chance to play in a World Cup final, the, the privilege of getting to rep- represent your country in a World Cup final, that is still an amazing thing. And, and the further away it gets, the slightly more you can look back on it with pride. But it's still, it's still, quite, it's still quite difficult to do. Um, so many. I mean, winning your first cap is just an amazing feeling. Of course it is. Um, winning, winning Grand Slams. So, um, yeah, winning, winning, diff- winning different Grand Slam trophies. Playing at Twickenham for the first time, so 2003. Uh, when Maxine Edwards was captain, we played at, at Twickenham for the first time um, and beat France by about 50 points. Uh, always a good feeling um, to, to, to beat France. A huge amount of respect for France, of course, some, some, some good friends like Estelle Sardini on, on the, the French team. But um, yeah, always a pleasure to, to, to win against them as well. So, so things like that, you know, getting, getting to play at Twickenham for the first time, lifting Grand Slam trophy. Uh, and I suppose then 2007 when I was captain and we won the Grand Slam in Wales, that was a pretty special feeling to be able to lift, lift the trophy as, as captain of a, of a young team with a few <laughs> babies coming through, um, like a certain Rachel Burford. I was just, this lady was an absolute superstar with you, with you coming into the team as a, as a young, what were you, 18, 19? Uh, just turned 20 when I went to the World Cup. Just turned 20. Uh, that was the 98 World Cup, everyone. So you do the maths of her age now. Uh, <laughs> no, but what, uh, what, were, what were your feelings um, in and around the change room uh, on On The Park with Daisy? Well, I remember my very first, and you will probably remember as well, Daisy, that you used to come down to Oldfield when we were like 16. You and Susie were like our mentors. And I remember Gary Street, who clearly had no idea about fitness or anything, used to make us do like the bleep test and these fitness things every Monday. And you guys are trying to help us with speed. And you were like, Gary, you're completely messing with what they're doing. So we're like, straight away, we loved you because then we stopped doing <laughs> the bleep test every week. <laughs> so that was like a big tip. But I also remember you doing um, nutritional stuff with us as well. And do you remember Kim Oliver? And you were trying to get her to just eat some different stuff. And Mama and Mama and Kim would be like, no, nope, I only eat Mama and Toast and Crisp. You're like, any green vegetables? No, nope, Mama and Crisp. What about some meat? No, nope, Mama. And literally, this was <laughs> what poor Susie and Daisy had to deal with at the young age of Kim Oliver. I, mean, I think she must have been 17 or 18. But they were kind of like my early, earliest memories of um, Daisy, obviously, down at Oldfield. 
and I just remember like when Gary tried to like talk his way out of saying oh no actually we're going to change the beat test now we're going to do something slightly different and we're like that's because Daisy's told you to <laughs> don't try and take credit for it <laughs> um but yeah I think like on the pitch like right from the start just a real kind of role model and just the leadership in that like and especially I remember in the sevens as well I had when I played alongside you in sevens like you and Yaffe your leadership roles and how we just kind of hang on every word literally it's like oh my god they talk so much sense they're so wise they they know it they know what they're talking about it just was just like and to me um like a real privilege to play in that era of players as well um really really special people um and yeah I, I feel really grateful and I remember like me Amy Turner um who else like Kim Oliver like we all talk about how we feel so privileged to have played alongside the likes of Daisy and then to continue in a different era as well because I think you know you just some of the players from that back then like Shelley Ray, Nessie Gray they were just kind of like incredible people to be around and to learn from also quite terrified from as well but um especially Nessie Gray <laughs> like to train with their elbows um but yeah I think just you know the leadership side of things and just how we literally would hang on every word that um Yaffe or Daisy would say in that setting it was just you know learned a lot a lot from you Daisy you've 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 squeezed so much in, in sense does that seem like a several lifetimes ago yeah it, do, it does seem like a really long time ago now I look you know some of the players that I played with are still playing now aren't they so it, it can't have been can't have been that long ago. But if I was gonna, I was gonna say, do you? I'm assuming you find yourself playing that that role now, with you know, because you sort of pass the baton on to the next generation of young players who soon become the slightly older, wiser players on the team. So, do you find yourself playing that role now in in your squads? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think it, I don't know how you felt at the time, but it's almost it feels quite privileged to be in that position to be able to pass on and support and help other players around you um, definitely at Harlequins I mean they're so young it's unbelievable it's scary at times and, and interesting how you talk about the nerves thing and how most people would say oh you've quite got calm head when you're right up against it but actually like you say the legs underneath are <laughs> going pretty far um, but yeah and I guess that, those roles have like changed completely but yeah, I just feel quite privileged that I'm able to have experience to be able to pass on to them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's just such an important part of your trajectory as a rugby player. You, you you know, you have that early bit where you're just sponge and trying to learn as much as you possibly can. You have the the middle bit where you probably don't have quite so many cares in the world and, and you're just getting on with playing. And then sort of the the last bit of your career where you've you know, you've you've been there and done it and the pressure's off in some ways and you can just use, you know, it's kind of your job to pass on as much of you can to, as, as you can to the next lot, lot coming through. Well, you passed on some of your rugby knowledge then in in broadcasting and, and commentary. Tell us a, a little bit about that, that slice of your of, of your career, that, that chapter. Enjoy well, that? I've absolutely loved it. I mean, I would say I learned from the absolute best, Johnny, didn't I? I had to, went to the school of Hammond um, for, for for several years. Um, I, I just loved it. I really, really, what a, talk about privilege, what a privilege that was. You know, you, 
you, you, through the years, you, you play rugby and you watch some rugby on the telly and you sort of watch and listen to the commentators and you're shouting stuff back at the telly, telling them that they're that they're wrong. And, and then to get to go to loads of amazing rugby matches. You know, I, I, I had the privilege of commentating um, at the 2010 World Cup final, the 2014 World Cup final, the 2017 World Cup final. So, you know, they're almost the best seat in the house. And just to, to talk about the game you love is so much fun. And for me, a brilliant, brilliant way to be able to stay involved somehow in a, in a different capacity. I absolutely loved it. As I say, I bet the trips to Dubai Sevens to commentate was tough, eh? That that was tough, and particularly <laughs> tough was the Sydney Sevens. Actually, that was a really difficult, really difficult one. Um, with, when you stayed in Coogee Bay and then travelled into to, to commentate um, at the stadium in Sydney, that was a really, really tough gig. That one. <laughs> was it was it a conscious thing to 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 go for that? Did you think when you stop playing, do you know, what, I I want to stay involved. What's the best way to do you know what broadcast might might be a way to do it? No, it wasn't at all. The um the, the 2010 World Cup, um Sky had the rights to it and, and they um huge credit to them wanted to do a you know a, a really good job of 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 um of promoting the game and putting all the matches on and so they just got a few of us in uh, to do a bit of a to a bit of a test. I think they called up Rosie Williams or Nicky Ponsford and said, you know, who are some of your most recently retired players that we should get in? And, and a few of us went along for a test. And I think it was me, Burnsy and, and Macca who who did the, who sort of, who were lucky enough to get to get the chance in the 2010 World Cup. And Claire Allen, I think, um, got a knee injury and, and uh, was in the studio for some, of, for some of the matches too. So no, it wasn't a competition at all. It was just a very, very lucky break um, and, and so, so much fun. Was good fun, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I remember, yeah, really I remember, good fun. remember being in those in those meetings. Um, so yeah, so apologies for a slightly leading question, um, but um, no, yeah, yeah. One of my fondest fondest memories being being alongside you and a little tear in both our eyes at uh, the Jean Bois in, in 2014. There was plenty of tears on the field as well from birth, no doubt. But yeah, magical magical uh, magical time, absolutely. And uh, thank you for for being alongside. It was a really really good time. So then you you move. To into the to the RFU, um, just just describe kind of what you feel you're bringing from your perspective to to the role. I mean, we, we spoke to Lisa Burgess, who's sort of like yourself, sort of breaking ceilings and and, and being being present. Is your is your presence uh, as a female actually sort of half the battle you're you're finding? It's definitely it's definitely part of it. So, like I said earlier. Why did I join? I joined because I've got so much out of, of of rugby, and the chance at the time to join as CFO came along, and it just felt too good an opportunity to to, to, to miss. Um, I my role now is sort of overseeing business operations, so um, that that includes people, stadium um, strategy, finance, technology. Um, a load of stuff, but not not really the, actually the rugby. It's sort of the, the the back office business operations. But I've also got a role specifically to make sure that we have a a joined up strategy for the growth of the women's game. So we have we've got specialists across the organisation in women's performance and in commercials and in in participation. But it's part of my job to make sure we have a joined up strategy across all of that 
to really accelerate the growth of the women's game. And I've also got a, a remit um, on the executive team for pushing diversity and inclusion. And so, so I've sort of got official roles that push for those two bits as well as everything else, which are really, really important to me. But as you say, it's also you know, part of the battle is simply being in the room. So now that you have people like me and, 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 and Bird and people like uh, Genevieve Shaw on our board who, you know, who played for England before I did, having people like us in the room when the conversations happen is, is part of the battle, but not all of it. And what, what do you feel that um, is being achieved and what do you feel can be achieved in, in the short term, in the next two, two three years in, in terms of the, the women's game here, here in the UK and your involvement with the RFU? Well, we just think there is such a huge opportunity for, for women's rugby. So if I, if I, so there's all sorts of parts of this. There's a real moment in women's sport at the moment. You can see broadcasters, sponsors, everybody waking up to the power of women's sport and the value that women's sport can, can bring. So there is a huge opportunity for women's sport. We, we think we've got a, a, a fantastic team that we can that, that, that we can promote and we think you know if we can use that team as a way to inspire not just little girls but little boys and little girls to play that we can you know grow the number of of kids playing the, playing the game as well um there's a real opportunity in the women's game and, and for me it's about grasping that opportunity and using it as an opportunity for grow and quite unashamedly when I say grow I don't just mean you know, succeeding on the pitch. I don't just mean growing player numbers. I also mean growing commercially because if we really want to grow the game, you know, we live in a society that depends on, depends on money. So if we want to grow the game, we need to make money to invest back in the game. And so, and so the circle, you know, sort of the cycle goes on. And so a really big part of it for me, as well as all the really important stuff on the pitch, is about visibility and is about commerciality. And we think there is an enormous... Um, opportunity there if you you know if you push it in the right way and, and we're going to be focusing really really hard on that so you know we think and you'll see it I think in the papers our, our, our chairman um, said it just a couple of weeks ago you know we think we can and will sell out Twickenham Stadium for a women's international game that in the long run then drives revenues that we can invest back in the game not just back in the women's game but back in the game as a whole the business model of the RFU is you put on matches at Twickenham it makes money. You have to spend that money on making more money, but the, the any money you have left over gets reinvested back into rugby. And so, in the long run, you know, at the moment we make money out of men's internationals at Twickenham. In the long run, we make money out of women's internationals at Twickenham too. It's amazing to to hear that from from you, Daisy, someone at the the very very top of the organisation of the game here in England. Although I, I just want to come back and say, when's that going to? Happen, or when are we going to see the this the serious shoots of it? Because you know, I've been been involved a, a fair few years myself, and I just yes, the advancements have been amazing, and I, and I think the the advancements on the field far outweigh the advancements off the field and commercially and what have you. When is somebody? And, I, and I've spoken about it in a couple of interviews. When when someone going to going to be brave? And I know you know Sky, the the company that I used to work for. Did did go things with with the women's game and showing it on, but that's behind a, a paywall and what have you. But when is somebody going to go right? Well, actually, do you know what? If you want the men's rights for this, the women's six nation for the men's six nations, you've got to take the women's as well. You've got to broadcast it as well. Decisions like that, so that it actually can 
push the game to that stratosphere which we all agree it can get to and, and should be at and therefore that commercial stuff follows well so I mean, that's exactly the the sort of thing that that we some of the other unions and the six nations are looking at so what's the right what's the right broadcast solution to help grow the game how do we get as many people as we possibly can you know watch watching the game and so so aware of it how do we get into the ears of the right sponsors who will invest in in things you know we're very lucky in at the RFU to have some 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 brilliant sponsors who clearly I I won't I won't name here but you know how do we how do we get more of those involved in the game to 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 bring the investment that that that, that creates the growth so it's exactly that kind of strategizing that, that we're doing, the thinking that we're doing to to make sure that we're taking all the right steps to, to get to where we want to get to. So, you know, we've got data that that says if you you know, if you if you if you can if you can achieve the right things, then you can at a certain point in the future, you know, find get enough people who want to pay for a ticket to come to Twickenham and watch the women's game. And it's what the right what we need to do is make sure we're doing all the right steps along the way. Um, to get there, not, and not just us, you know, the whole of the the whole of the Six Nations, and ideally the whole of of the global game. I, I'm conscious of time, so we've got a couple of other little topics just to chat to you about, if that's all right. Just just following on from that, then I, I'm guessing you, you feel as, as I do as a, as a broadcaster, and we'll, we won't make birth blush here, but it, the guys are doing everything they can on the field, aren't they? The the, the Premier 15s is as Strong as we've seen it, yes, yeah, shame not to see the, the Quinn Saris game, but that game last year was out of this world that, during the regular season. Um, the internationals are, are, are really, really firing. Uh, they're doing everything they can on, on the field. On the, how, how, do you, how, how do you see the state of the game at, at, in England, the Red Roses and the Premier 15s? Yeah, I mean, as a, as a, as a, as a former player, watching the, the standard of the, the Premier 15s um, is, is just a, is a joy to watch. The, the you know the level of coaching, the level of nutritional advice, you know the level of professionalism, all of that 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 the that, that the Premier Fifteens brings is 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 brilliant. The standard of play is fantastic. The excitement of the play, some of the running rugby that you see is 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 just so much fun to watch. And I'm as a former player, I'm also you know really excited to see what this current crop of, of red roses can do. There's such there's such talent in there. There's such strength and power, um, uh, you know. And I think they're playing some really good rugby. I think they can get better. Of course, they can. There's always there's always um, places you can improve. But it's really exciting, isn't it? As 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 a broadcaster, as 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 a current player, as former players, to, to see all of that and to see um, it, it just getting better and better. Do you feel then that looking ahead to to this year, you know, potentially and everything COVID crossed. Oh, not allowed to use that word. That's uh, yeah, an Olympics. Obviously, the sevens uh, got uh, got got some uh, a lifeline with the national lottery and what have you funding, and and then obviously the, the World Cup coming up. Um, how, how strong a state is the game going to be come the end of twenty twenty one? Should should those events go ahead, Daisy? Yeah, I, th- I think those events leave the game in a really strong position to, to 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 sort of take the next leap forward from i'm i'm really excited to see um the standard of of rugby and the excitement of rugby that we'll get in the in the world cup in new zealand i appreciate there's a lot of challenges 
um, you, you used the, 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 the COVID word, that there are a lot of challenges. We know that New Zealand is in a much better place than, um, than, than almost every other country in the world when it comes to, to, to managing COVID. So I, I'd be very, very hopeful that, um, you know, that all of that goes ahead in the way that we'd want to see it go ahead. Uh, and, you know, we, we saw the last World Cup 2017, that, that final match between England and New Zealand. If we get more matches like that on on live TV with loads of people watching, people will be really, really excited about our game by the end of that World Cup. And that's a brilliant springboard to, 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 to jump from for the, for the next four years and the four years after. So it's, a, it's an England win prediction from Sudan NBA, is it? I definitely didn't say that. I, <laughs> you didn't ask me. You didn't ask me who would win. I think you know we um, we've got a really good we've got a really good team, haven't we? England, uh, New Zealand have got a pretty good team as well. They'll be on home soil. They won't have to deal with the challenges of quarantine and travel. So you know it's it's they're definitely in with a good shout as well. I'm sitting on the fence. Nice, yeah. Don't don't get too many splinters. Um, and when you watch, you, know, you you might get down. I, I don't know, but when you watch, and, and obviously now out outside of the, the commentary box, what what do you like? Say you're sat at home watching England France back in the autumn. What are you, are you screaming at the telly? Are you going, come on, please play well because that makes my job easier? How 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 are you watching it? A little bit of that um, creeps in. Uh, Is I've, it? I've got to be honest. So, so when I, I retired from rugby, and then watching watching England play straight after, I found really really difficult. Then I started commentating, and I found it much easier because you've got something to concentrate on during the game. Yep. You concentrate on the commentary, and you can almost put to one side that you're also a fan and a former player. Because you have to get on with with commentating. Although, as you say, 2014 World Cup, it definitely crept in by the end with the with the tears flowing. Um, now that I'm now, now that I'm involved in the game in a different way, I, I, I do watch as a fan. I do get nervous, but I also watch as a as, as as somebody you know who's really invested in the growth of the women's game. And I watch and I think brilliant. I, you know, I, I don't just I, don't, I, I am a fan, so of course I want an England win. But I also want a really exciting game that the broadcasters are going to love and that the sponsors are going to love and that the fans are going to love. So yeah, absolutely, a bit of that creeps in as well. Yeah, you, you, you and me both. It's like, come on, be, be a great game of rugby. Let let rugby be the winner, and let's uh, let's take it to to the next level. Let let rugby be the winner. Brackets and England. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there she said it. There you are. There, there's the prediction. No, there. <laughs> She's off the fence. Uh, no, so um, I, I'm conscious we we've taken up a load of your time this morning. I'd, well, yeah, as you know, could could talk to you uh, for for forever, preferably with a glass of glass already in the hand. But really, really lovely to chat to you this morning. Thank you so much for for starting our. 2021 here on the WRP with a real bang and having such a superstar on uh, it's a real real privilege and, and pleasure in the comedy box and uh, and talking to you this morning thank you so much for having me it's been it's been really fun to to chat to both of you and and to replay some some old memories I've really enjoyed it I'm Sarah Hunter and you're listening to the women's rugby podcast Great to have uh, Sue Day, MBE, on the pod to start this uh, 2021. No, lady, obviously you you know very well birth there. We uh, nice to to reminisce about the old days on on the field with uh, with Daisy. Yeah, I mean you've said it many a time. Just such a a good person, and I've had the privilege to play alongside and 
Fred to be my captain and you know I went for a really tough time in 2007 when I lost my dad and she was she was there for me and I never forget that, that she phoned me and um, wanted to offer the opportunity for us to wear you know armbands for my dad in my first ever Six Nations game um, and that was down to to her and I think that kind of sums up the type of person that she is and that she thinks about her teammates and her, her squad and yeah I think the position that she's in now she's you know she's done it all she's got such a level head and has you know from all different walks of the game and now she's making you know big waves at the RFU and for the game moving forward. Wow what a what a lovely, 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 touching story. Thank you very much for, for sharing that. Um, as you say, I think that, that does sum the, the, the lady up. She, you always joke, don't we? And uh, the, I know that the Red Roses squad do it with uh, with Emily Scout, that she's, she's good at everything. But, you know, I mean, you look through that uh, that career, whether it be 14 years playing for one club, 60-odd caps, top try scorer, captain, World Cups, Grand Slams, then a broadcaster, and let me... You know, she was the best broadcaster in the country, man or woman. Uh, when when she was in the commentary box, she was outstanding, just utter natural. Um, and then now, as we say, moved into to the RFU and you know, incredible uh, leadership that she's giving there. Not uh, only as a CFO but COO at the moment as well. Um, but yeah, just so calm and cool and personable. Yeah, what a what a delightful human being. Yeah, and and that's exactly how she was as a player and as a captain. Like you'd literally hang on her every word, the direction and the leadership that she would give you. And like these are literally my earliest memories of just kind of looking up to to the likes of Daisy and and I talk about in the sevens where Daisy and Yappy were our captains and just you know the wise words, the calmness, the the way that they could just make everything all right when things weren't all right, um, yeah, is a, is a great trait. And, you know, she's continued with that, you know, whether that was in the commentary box with you or whether that w- that's now in a boardroom. Um, so we're really lucky to, to, you know, have the likes of Daisy to stay in the game. And, and we keep saying it's about having, you know, players who have the ability and the experience to, to progress into those types of roles because all it's going to do is, is the good for the game. Uh, and, you know, she talks with so much sense around, you know, yes, we want to grow the game. Yes, we want more young girls and boys playing, but we also want to make it commercially viable, make more visibility. And then that kind of full circle goes. So, I mean, we're really lucky to have someone like Daisy in, you know, not only just CFO and COO of the RFU, but also with, you know, her diversity hat on and her, her women's rugby hat on as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Lucky to have her in the game and lucky to consider her a friend. I'm Jill Burns and you're listening to the wonderful Women's Rugby Pod. Good news coming to you from around the overworld. New Year's honours list time, wasn't it? Congrats to a friend of the pod, Kendra Coxich, now a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit. And a tip of the hat to Dee Bradbury as well. The former Scotland Rugby Union president was awarded an OBE. Yeah, and some great news coming for GB7s who have been thrown a lifeline. England, Scotland and Wales have secured funding to field a women and men's 17 for the 2020 season ahead of the Olympics in Tokyo. All made possible by the partnership with the National Lottery. Charlie Hayter, Scott Forrest and James Rodwell make up the coaching team. 
Any good news continues around the world. Some high-profile appointments out of Milby, the ex-Philippines International, and Marina Meni uh, have become the latest women to be appointed into high-profile roles in world rugby. Milby becoming the president of the Philippine Rugby Union, and Meni the CEO of the Brazilian Rugby Federation, the first woman to head up the national body. And the two games that were due to take place on the 2nd of January, Harlequins versus Saracens and DMP Sharks versus South Sharks, both been postponed again. Looking ahead to this weekend in terms of the Premier 15's fixtures. Again, all things crossed. Worcester, DMP, Durham Sharks berth. Who's going to win that one? Ooh. Um, I'm going to back Worcester. I haven't played them and it was quite tight to the wire for us against them. Um, and I reckon they're going to have a couple of the big players back. Obviously, they've been hit a little bit with injury. Laura Keats, um, Alex Matthews, Heather Fisher still. Um, so I think they're going to have some big guns back. Um, so, yeah, I'm going for a Worcester win. Worcester win there at six ways. Yourselves against Wasps. Tantalising clash. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be... I can't believe we're like back round to the second round of the season already because um, they were our first game up. Um, I am really excited about playing them. They're a, such a, a side of great talent. Um, we did some really good stuff against them last time we played against them. Um, and there's quite a few things that we needed to get we need to get right this weekend um, to take that win against them because we know how much they've grown over over the season. Uh, Bristol against Exeter, which is the uh, the live stream game on the RFU channels, YouTube, uh, Facebook, and of course the website. I'm going Exeter. Are you? I think they. Yeah, I do. I think, to be honest, I think Bristol were quite lucky to beat them when they first played against them. Um, you know, hopefully we might see Sarah Byrne back this weekend. I'm not. I don't know that for fact, but it'd be. She'd be a great bolster to that side. But I just think Exeter at the moment are they're they're creeping up the table, their performances are getting better each week. And I think what's what you're finding with that team now is just the confidence and the belief. They play really hard. When you've got somebody like Amy Garnett barking at you, um, they are a side that are, you know, we've said from the start that are going to be developing and growing, but I think they're on a, a really good Good road at the moment, and I think they're going to take it. Sorry, yeah. Kim. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Marmite Kim. Um, yeah, there, <laughs> there was only two points in it. Twenty-two, twenty-four when they met in uh, in round two, and they're off the back of that that uh, very healthy victory, thirty-nine nil over Sale uh, Exeter, Susie Appleby's side. So you go for extra away win there. Gloucester Hartbury against Loughborough Lightning again, another fascinating contest. Yeah, I think it's going to be quite a tight game. Um, but I feel that Lightning just have, you know, more experience to to finish a game. Like we talked about Gloucester Hartbury, they're, they're a young side. Um, and I think that is their Achilles heel at times, to close games out and to finish, finish games. And I think, you know, Lightning have been in tight games. They've won tight games. They've almost beaten, you know, big teams or... or you know, Harlequins and Saracens both push both of those teams right to the wire. So for me, I think Lightning will um, be able to take that one. Lightning for that one. And Saracens against Sale. Um, I'm, 
Saracens are going to win the game, but I think it will be um, a close and tight encounter. Okay. There you go. What, what are you talking? Three points? Six points? Ten points. Ten points. Heard it here first. Well, that's about it for our first show of 2021. Do remember to share, subscribe and rate us. It does make a, a big difference. But to you, thank you all for listening and staying with us. We will be coming at you, having discussed quite what we'll be doing during this lockdown. But um, yeah, we will continue to certainly, at very, very least, bring you our weekly WRP. Where can everyone get in touch, Berth? Yeah, you can find us on social media, so Twitter and Instagram at Pod Women's Rugby. Um, yeah, get in touch, send us your DMs, tag us in stuff, um, and we'll share it. Huge, huge thank you to Sue Day MBE for joining us on the pod. What a what a great uh, great person to, to, to kick the year off. And next week we'll have another superstar from the world of women's rugby. But until then, stay safe. Until next time.